0: And we looked last week at work. And the week before, business and commerce. And this week, politics. Sorry. Yeah, that's loud. <laughs> then
1: the Pharisees met together to plough and plot and how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet them with him. Teacher, they said,
2: we know how honest you are.
1: You teach the way of God faithfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to see Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. the hypocrite, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. All of them, he said. Give it to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give it to God
0: what belongs to God. His reply amazed them and they went away. And that same day, Jesus was approached. Oh, no, I think that's all. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right. So, Jesus told us to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. And so today we're looking at how we engage in the world of politics. Well, I don't know whether you've tried this before or not, but you can go to the ABC website and you can do their Vote Compass, which is quite fun to do. It takes about 20 minutes. I did it yesterday and I was going to get everyone here to do it, but uh, it took about 20 minutes. I thought we don't have time for that. You answer all these questions and then it tells you the way it thinks you should be voting and how you align politically. And... uh, This is where I ended up. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Um, I'm sort of towards the social conservative side and towards the economic right side, but not right in the corner. Um, We all feel the same, right? Isn't that how it works? No one one feels any differently, right? (laughs) Next slide. (laughs) So I want to do a test. We we get (coughs) this idea that everyone thinks and thinks the same way as us. It's really easy to, to think that way. So, I've got eight simple questions. I want you just to, um, Matthew, and hand everyone a piece of paper. And Simon, go hand everyone a pen. I want you just to answer these eight questions. And let's see if we all think the same. So, score yourself a one point for question one if you answer yes, score yourself two points for question two if you answer yes. Three points to question three if you answer it. yes. So these are the number of points you score if you answer yes to that particular question. You can do it too, Annie. I here's the pen. Oops.
2: So, nothing else matters if you answer yes
0: to question eight, <laughs> Well, no, because you, you're going to add your score up at the end. But so the total error of the score is less
2: than that. Right? Oh, no,
0: we're just going to see if we get different numbers or the same numbers. Because oh. if we all get the same number, we all think the same. If two people get the same number, they have the same opinion on all the questions. But if your number is different than someone else, you disagree with them on one of those issues at least. The number of points doesn't really matter. It's just so that no one can get the same score if they get a different answer.
2: It's just a binary.
0: It's a binary number, basically, but I didn't want to make it too complicated for
2: you.
0: Malcolm understood straight away. (laughs)
2: You're
0: going to need to add up your score afterwards, so you might want to get your phone out as a calculator and add up your numbers. It's not that hard, is it, Sasha? Yeah, so question one is business tax should be increased question two is foreign aid should be reduced three is some form of carbon tax should exist four is public transport should be government subsidised to keep prices down five is mask wearing should be mandatory in certain indoor settings
2: with number five
0: are we counting things like no we're counting like in a shopping centre <laughs> Question six: Punishment for drugs such as heroin and amphetamine should be removed. Drug usage should be treated more as a health-related problem. Question seven is: Australia should become a republic. And question eight is: Freedom of speech, and that might include speech that some people might find offensive or hateful, should be enshrined in law as as an inalienable right.
2: The republic?
0: Republic. A republic means we don't have the queen as our boss, our head of state. We have a president instead. <laughs> Looks like people are still doing it. We need people time. Remember to add up your score when you've done it. You don't have to think too hard. Just do it quick. Isn't that right, Sasha? I'm not
1: going
0: to hold you (laughs) to it. Not at all. We're not going to know what you voted. We're just going to get a number and see who got the same number and who got different numbers. Everyone added up their scores? Who hasn't finished yet? One, two, three, we'll give them another one minute. Another sixty seconds. Anyone know any good jokes? Alright, who's willing to say what number they got? Who got what's what's your number, Matthew? 226. 226. Did anyone get 226? 153. 153. Anyone else get 153? Oh, Rose did. There you go. You matched well. 48 years <laughs> together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What'd you get, Mel? 220. Anyone get 220? Nope. Um, anyone else willing to give a number that they got?
2: 131.
0: 131. Anyone get 131? No? Mary, what would you get? 60. Anyone get 60? Oh, we have someone else got 60. So you have the same opinions on those eight questions. i got
2: 173.
0: 173? 196? 222. Anyone get any of those numbers? So you can see almost everyone has a different number. What that means is that... On these topics, only Rose and Sasha agree on the answer to all those questions, and only Mary and Andrew agree on the answer to all those questions. Everyone else has a different opinion on at least one of those questions from everyone else in this congregation. So we often think that everyone feels the same as us, but they don't. We've got different opinions What's wrong on this. <laughs> 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 That's it, Sasha. They don't, and that's okay, right? You know, when it comes to an issue of tax should be put up or down, or welfare should be increased or decreased, there are pros and cons. And often that's why I think in a sermon or when having a discussion about Christianity, it's really important we don't overstep the mark and think that our political opinion is the Christian opinion, because there's often multiple opinions that are reasonable. And it's, we don't know whether more welfare or less welfare is better, for example, or whether punishment should be stronger or weaker on drug use, because there's there's pros and cons. All right, let's go to the next one. So that was just to to start us up to recognise we all feel a bit differently, and that's okay. <laughs> so the question is, what did Jesus say about politics? All of those questions are asked are political issues, aren't they? <laughs> Well, this is what Jesus said when he was brought before um, Pilate. And Pilate was asking him, are you a king? Why aren't your armies fighting for you if you're a king? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. God's kingdom is much bigger than our little political life. It's far more important, far more valuable, far bigger than anything we could ever imagine here on this earth, and it's different. Jesus didn't come to be a revolutionary to overthrow governments. He didn't come to build a big political dynasty. He came for something different. He came to change hearts, to bring forgiveness, to restore people to a right relationship with God. And we should never forget that. So maybe we should do what the Amish did, uh, get out of politics entirely. So if you drive through, say, Pennsylvania or Ohio, as Nicole and I did about 20 years ago, you'll drive past these little farms with people in buggies and horses that speak um a german language and call everyone in america the english um and these are the amish and about i don't know 400 years ago they came across to america seeking religious freedom wanting to totally remove themselves from all government and in fact um baptist christians of which i guess our church is a baptist church share similar heritage theologically to the amish um with this idea that the government shouldn't be interfering with personal faith. And so there were the Anabaptists, of which the Amish were one, and the Baptist churches in England, which sort of people stepped out and said, I don't want the government telling me what I can and can't believe and how I can and can't worship. And the Amish took it a step further and said, I want nothing to do with the outside world. We're going to live in our little community and we're going to have nothing to do with government, nothing to do with wars, they're very anti-war, nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with any of that and we're going to live our lives free from any sort of political world of course they have their own church hierarchy in politics yeah. so maybe we should just be like the Amish eh? just get rid of government entirely and stay well away from it I mean Jesus did say my kingdom is not worth <coughs> the kingdom didn't he that's how the Amish interpret those words let's remove ourselves from politics how do you interpret those words? Who wants to share some thoughts?
2: He made it pretty clear.
1: The
2: way he would it.
0: He made it pretty clear.
2: Yeah, and the way he did it was just
0: beautiful how he said that. It was, wasn't so it? He's not standing up there. He's not trying to fight. He's just telling them what it is. He's- telling the truth and yep
2: so I think this undergirds the idea of the separation of church and state in that the state should never be able to dictate to the church not the other way around but but the church shouldn't dictate shouldn't be that interested in dictating to the state because it's not an earthly kingdom so it doesn't need to concern itself with those names directly
0: it should be busy in the churches so Jesus was there about bringing about God's kingdom sharing the good news of forgiveness and salvation that was what he was there for Mm -hmm. he wasn't interested in telling the Roman government how to govern kind of what you mean but in the same way the Roman government shouldn't be interested in telling him what he can what message he can tell that's right so they
2: they shouldn't have authority over each other. They should talk to each other, but not have authority to, over each
0: other. Okay, it's interesting thoughts, Neil.
1: It's part of this also because many of the Jews were looking for a, a king who was going to be a messiah, be a conqueror. Yeah. yeah. To um, get rid of the Romans and you know, the zealots were up for it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, wanted to get the, the Romans out of the Jewish earthly kingdom, especially Jerusalem. So, you know, you see the disciples later on reacting and saying, hey, this ain't going to happen to you. You're going to stick around here.
0: It's too good with you, Jesus, here. Yep, absolutely. So part of it's in response to people trying to make him an earthly king, which is not what he was there for. Shalanda? Um, I guess
1: I read it a bit more also like that, our home is not <coughs> here, this is not where we're meant to be comfortable. Mm. We're here um, transitioning and moving into the followers of Jesus, into his kingdom, it's not here, Yep. somewhere else. So um, this is not the place where it's, it's wonderful all the time. Yep, It's mm. good. Sasha? I think it's also that he was relieving the the fears that the Romans had that he was not afraid. Yep. Because he was actually referring
0: to the Jewish leaders rather than the Romans. Yep. Because he answered both questions there. That... He did. And as you say that, it makes me think he wanted to make it clear to everyone he was dying for sin, not for insurrection. Right. He, he said,
2: in all the sense, they didn't need to be feared, but I think the, the Holland versus Pilate gets even more scared because... He reads between the lines correctly that Jesus is saying he's something even more powerful. Yep. even more powerful than just a political
0: standard. Yes. So, obviously, this isn't saying, is it, that there's no role for people to have political opinions. I don't think Jesus is talking about that. He's talking about the main purpose of God in bringing salvation to the world. He's not talking about individual people, whether we can have political opinions or be involved in politics. It's it's different, isn't it? So let's uh, keep going. So maybe it's okay to be involved in government and politics. Maybe the Amish have got the wrong idea. Let me tell you about this chap here. This is a guy called Oliver Cromwell. And he lived about 400 years ago. And he was a deeply religious man, deeply spiritual, strong Christian faith. And he had a goal of spiritual and moral reform. He wanted to see England be a land which was full of Bible-based faith with people obedient to God. Now, he was a parliamentarian, so he, he was in government. And this is something he said, God has brought us to where we are to consider the work we may do in the world as well as at home. So he saw his role in life as being, um, as following God and working through politics to help make England a better place. So how did things go? Well, he led a civil war in England. He then executed a king, <coughs> banned Christmas, outlawed dancing, prohibited makeup, because all those things he didn't feel were, were Christian invaded Ireland and oversaw massacres, including the kill- killing of civilians. After the one particular massacre where hundreds of innocent civilians were murdered, I am persuaded that this is a righteous judgment of God on those barbarous wretches who have imbued their hands with so much innocent blood, and that it will tend to prevent the effusion of blood for the future, which is satisfactory grounds for such action, which cannot otherwise but work remorse and regret. Mm-hmm. Something went terribly wrong with this man, didn't it? Yeah. Problem is, human heart isn't isn't always good. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evil propensity within our hearts, isn't there? And power corrupts. There's this guy called Lord Acton who said this really famous quote that I'm pretty sure most of you would have heard. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then the quote continues. I didn't know this bit till I looked it up. Great men are almost always bad men. We even see that in the Bible. Biblical leaders succumb to corruption too. Think of King Saul. He uh, he loved his power so much he tried to murder David. Threw spears at him. Think of David. Greatest king in Israel, Israel, Israelite history. He threw Lust of a woman ended up having the husband murdered, had an affair with the woman. And then, of course, she had Solomon as as one of her sons. Think of Solomon. His power got to him to the point where he married hundreds of women and started following other gods and let his kingdom fall apart because of it. There are some biblical leaders who succumbed to absolute power and became very corrupt in the process. And only one of them really repented of his corruption, and that was David. And because of that repentance, God could renew him, renew a right spirit in him. There are lots of examples in the Bible of this corruption of power. Yet somehow, politics is a mechanism that God wants us to use for justice and for good. In this quote from Isaiah, This talks about governments doing the right thing or people in power doing the right thing. Listen to the Lord. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. These are things that we do through the government, through politics. Not just through the politics, but but significantly through politics. There is some call out there for us to do good through our government. There is a place for Christians in politics. The Amish had it wrong. Oliver Cromwell had it wrong. But there is some place there if we can get it right. Think of Martin Isles in the Australian Christian Lobby. He's someone I have a lot of respect for. He's out there trying to bring good policy into the government so that it benefits the whole of the nation. Martin Luther King. Think think about how he tried to bring an end to segregation where black people were treated as inferior to white people. Everyone could come together and actually be treated equally. And think of William Wilberforce. I don't know whether you've seen the movie or not, but he was a a British Prime Minister. And he, through his work, he brought slavery to an end in the British Empire. So I'm going to play a clip from here in a minute. But um, there were two particularly famous Christians in that era. One was John Newton. And uh, he was a slave trader. And uh, he, in a storm one night in the ship, he was worried he was going to sink. And he cried out to God for, for, save, for salvation. And he was saved. And that, in him, set off a train of transformation where he realized being a slave trader was incredibly evil. And he changed And he actually came back to England and ultimately became a a minister of the Anglican Church and wrote some very famous hymns, of which the most famous is Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. So he went from slave trader to evangelist. He really understood grace. And he was an inspiration because he was the, the minister for William Wilberforce, who became the prime minister, who ended slavery. Uh, so, there is a place for Christians in politics. Now, we're not all going to be up front, but we live in a system where we can have a say through voting. So, actually, our vote matters. But let's, uh, let's play the clip. Oh, um, no, actually, first let's send a link uh, in the chat. So, Zoomers, in the chat, Malcolm's going to paste a link. You can watch it through OneDrive and it'll be better quality. I think you have to go to the next one. If he didn't, if he didn't stand up against slavery, there might still be slavery today. We don't know. There's obviously a calling for some people to fight for issues that really matter, and so I think what the Amish have done isn't the right approach at all. That's not for everyone. It might be for some people but there's a place where it's okay to be involved in politics. And I know sometimes we look at, say, the Australian Christian lobby and feel a bit uncomfortable, but maybe we shouldn't be. Maybe people like Martin Isles are doing what God's calling them to do. It is important to be cautious, though. And uh, famous C.S. Lewis book, The Screwtape Letters. Brilliant book. If you haven't read it, read it. Or better still, listen to the audio book with John Cleese as as the narrator. It's really good. And uh, he spoke in this book, uh, this is uh, a devil speaking, he spoke about how Christians can be sidetracked in their faith. What we So this is not what Christians want, this is what the devil wants. What we want, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind, I call Christianity <coughs> and, you know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order. Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and psychical uh, research, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity <laughs> and spelling reform. <laughs> <laughs> if they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute for the faith itself some fashion with a Christian colouring. And, and that's always the danger, isn't it? That we get so sidetracked with an issue mm. that the issue becomes what's important, not faith in Jesus. And maybe when Jesus was saying, my kingdom is not of this world, that's what he's reminding us of. he He is number one. He is all in all. These other issues are important, but they're not necessarily what we should make our focus. Most of us aren't politicians, though. Although we all vote, most of us aren't in government. So beyond faith influencing how we vote, how does the world of politics apply to us every day? Anyone want to make some suggestions? We're not, we're not William Wilberforce. We're not Martin Luther King.
2: It affects whether we can go 20 kilometres south or not. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, well. Um, you know, the
0: Bible says that
1: the king and the government is, is put there and it's the government's on Christ's shoulders.
0: Go to the next slide. I think that segues exactly into what I was thinking, Neil. So well, most of us aren't in politics, uh, but there are plenty of laws out there. There are governments out there that tell us what we can and can't do. Sometimes those things are a bit frustrating, aren't they? So you with your piece of paper and your pen... On the other side, can you write down some of the laws that frustrate you the most? What laws you think are unfair or unreasonable? And <coughs> what laws, only the ones that impact you, what would you change if you could? So spend a minute and think about those laws that frustrate you. Yeah, a law that frustrates them or they think unreasonable. I, I've already guessed what Matthew's law is. How difficult it is to adopt, which
1: also leads into the law of abortion, but also with child services and keeping the parents with the child, no matter of giving
2: that opportunity over and over
0: and over again, Yeah. which damages the child. Yep. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that is a law that there are there that you just wonder about, aren't there? Yeah. Any that personally frustrate you, yes?
1: Um, uh, frustrate, probably concern would be, uh, for me would be of some of the, the leasing agreements to foreign companies, like Darwin Port's probably yep. the best example that comes mm-hmm. to mind. Yep. Um, you know, I was pleased to see years ago that um, the government blocked the, the sale of the Australian Stock Exchange
0: for Singapore. Yep. Things like that. Yep. You know. So those are some, some big things that, that you wonder about. Yeah, anyone else? Steve? I think
1: the Victorian law, which is prepared to punish people for praying with someone who
2: yeah, sure doesn't could. feel yep. comfortable in their gender or whatever. Yep.
0: Um, yep, another big one. Any other laws that people find personally they that frustrate them or bother them that affect them specifically? This is a this is sort of a selfish one. That yeah. this these are the ones I'm looking for, the
2: selfish yeah. ones. This is good. <laughs> years ago the US modified copyright law so that corporations could extend copyright to over seventy years or something yeah. like that. And that's just wrong. Like right? corporations don't need to make more money without doing any more work. Yep. And I think long Australia time. has also um, ratified that. So yeah. It's it's that's just wrong.
0: Yep yep and it affects me yeah you want to copy something yeah. understood
1: I'm, I'm simple but just log and kept registrations and long issues absolutely very frustrating aren't
0: they They're, these are the sort of ones which personally affects on a day-to-day basis that are frustrating brad
2: the road user management
0: app what does what does that do to you it, it
2: gives you expectations of how other users will be using the road and then you drive faster than you might otherwise if you didn't know what was going to happen
1: yep
0: so that was one which frustrates me, the speed limit. Sometimes mm-hmm. I want to go faster than the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> right? You've got something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for Matthew, I'm pretty sure it would be gun ownership, that you're not allowed to own a gun because he would love to do that a bit of target shooting. I think education frustrates me. I think that mm-hmm. the powers of be
1: are trying to take out
2: the... The
1: parents'
0: influence yep. and trying to stick their own ideas into your minds and i think thinking
1: are ready for it. Yep. That's an interesting conversation to hear. Yeah. That's a huge one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Medical consent the law that means that kids can yeah, make decisions on their own medical yep. things. Right. And you think the
0: parents and the parents get pushed out yeah. to the side, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, had, I had consent in general.
0: Yep. So there are lots of laws that are unfair and unreasonable. Some are big ones which affect other people a lot. And then there are plenty of small ones which actually impact us on a day-to-day basis, in like the dog and cat registration, speed limits, ownership of things that are illegal that we think shouldn't be illegal, all those sort of things. Um, let's have a look at what the Bible says about this. In Romans 13, this is what Paul wrote. which is God's inspired word through Paul. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too. For the same reason. The government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honour to those who are in authority. So I grew up in, in an Anglican church where they prayed every week for the Prime Minister and the Premier and Which is important. Exactly. And it always felt strange, particularly if I didn't like the Prime Minister. <laughs> Why am I praying for the Prime Minister? But it's important. It actually says in the Bible to give respect and honour to those in authority, even when we don't like
1: them. We're in a situation where um, governments have changed their role. Originally, governments were there to serve the people. Yep. It's now the other way around. Yep. It's now governments are there to control the people. Yep. And this has been, this pandemic has been, uh, an open door for them yes. to start to practice practice what they once do yep. in many respects and get away with it because they're doing it for our own good. So in many respects they're playing God because we've gone away from our faith, we've lost our faith, and so they're replacing the faith, replacing God.
0: I don't disagree with any of that, Sasha. I think that's 100% correct. And... Um it doesn't change these words, though. No. No. And so that's the real balance to work out, isn't it? There are laws and rules which are frustrating, which are even wrong. And not reasonable. And yet, Paul is telling people to obey the government. And it has got to take that really seriously before deciding not to, I guess, is the point. Um, let's go to the next passage and see what it says it's kind of what Jesus said isn't it give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar this is the the reading Matthew read before so no one wants to pay taxes the Roman government didn't have legitimate authority over the Jewish people from their perspective and yet Jesus is saying give it to Caesar If, if it's due Caesar give it to him he does have legitimate authority to receive taxes so there's, that's a really, really important concept which, uh, it's a Christian concept, to obey the government. So the question then becomes, how do you do that when you think the government is problematic or making laws that are unreasonable or irrational or unfair? And I guess that's partly where getting involved in politics, actually speaking out loud about these things and talking to people, writing to letters, emails, all of that is is the appropriate forum usually uh, to speak against against government. But should we obey the law in every circumstance? No. And so that says obey the governing authorities in, in Romans. Jesus said, render to Caesar what Caesar's. But like all things in the Bible, there's nuance, isn't there? So let me tell you two examples where I think obeying the government may be the wrong thing. This is a a movie I saw one day when I was pretending to be sick, staying home from school. I did that a lot as a kid. (laughs) My mum was a bit easier than uh, Nicole (laughs) and let me off. And um, I remember (laughs) I would often watch movies uh, in the middle of the day. And I remember seeing this one here called The Scarlet and the Black. Don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's a true story. It's about a Catholic priest uh, in Italy, under occupied Germany, who hid and helped Jews escape. And that was illegal, what he was doing. The law was that all Jews had to be rounded up into concentration camps. And here he was helping them escape, directly disobeying law. Surely that was the right thing to do. This was a case, if ever there was one, where disobeying the law was his moral duty. a bound before God to do that. Another good book to read is this one, Dreams and Visions. It's by uh, a missionary called Tom Doyle, who's been over in the Middle East for the last 30 or 40 years. And he talks about how there's been an explosion of dreams about Jesus throughout the Middle East, even in places where there are no Christians, like Mecca. And um, he talks about many cases of people he's interviewed who have become Christians in secret. They live in a country where it is illegal to leave your faith as a Muslim. In fact, it's punishable by death in quite a few countries in the Middle East. You can change your religion if you're not a Muslim, but if you are born into a Muslim family, changing religion is punishable by death. These people have an encounter with Jesus. He comes to them in a dream. They become Christians. They're breaking the law. Yet surely that is what God is calling them to do, to break the law. Mm. So there are clearly circumstances where... Obeying the law is not the right thing to do, but that's the exception, not the rule, according to the Bible. We saw some examples of breaking the law in the Book of Acts. Remember when Peter got brought before the Jewish leaders for, for preaching the gospel after healing a man? Sorry. scared. Hey. Uh, And uh, so Peter was brought brought before the the high Jewish council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said to the high priest. Instead, you filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. That's a great example in the Bible of disobedience, of civil disobedience. There's an Old Testament example too that I think everyone knows really well. So Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, was obviously a bit of a megalomaniac, wasn't he? And uh, he would build statues for himself and his gods all over the place and expect everyone else to bow down and worship him. And so that was what happened at this particular point in history. Statue was built, and every time a gong was or I can't remember the details exactly. Everyone had to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar. Now there were three Jewish men, Jewish leaders, who had been brought to Babylon. Um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They would not bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar. Worship the Lord your God only. They knew their Old Testament or their Bible. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, And Nebuchadnezzar, We don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. Mm. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. It's pretty powerful words. So there's a place for disobeying the law, but it's got to be the exception. The question is, when. when is that exception right? And this is a little um, question and answer session with Martin Iles, who I spoke about earlier, where this exact question gets asked, which we'll watch before finishing the sermon. Oh, uh, Malcolm At said, what point? Malcolm um, will send the link to everybody first. So, he says a lot of good points, doesn't he? So, because we've talked today about politics and, you know, one extreme, never get involved in it, to the other extreme of seek power, both are unhelpful and unhealthy, and there is a middle ground of live your Christian life and be involved in government in the way God calls you as an individual to be involved. We've talked also then about, for everyone else who's not involved in government, how does government, how do we interact with it? Well, simple thing is we obey the law. That's what the Bible tells us to do, except where the law calls us to sin. And so the day might come when God calls you to civil disobedience, but it's probably not today, right? In the meantime, never seek personal glory or power. Instead, we need to immerse ourselves in God's word and in prayer while seeking justice for the downtrodden, speaking out against injustice, and remain remaining humble and peaceful in all we do and say. I think that's my summary of Politics 101 as a Christian. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't all think the same. Uh, thank you that that we have a chance to debate and discuss ideas in this country. We pray for our government. We pray for people who are trying to effect changes that are going to be positive and healthy and are following your will. Help us to to go into the world this week um, living in the world but not being the same as the world. And let that be in our daily lives and including in the way we, we interact with government and political ideologies. Bless us all this day and uh, speak to us and show us your direction for us in our voting life. We pray for the upcoming election, that many people think deeply about issues and that your will prevails.